and welcome to a brand new episode of my podcast, Podcast Racing. Uh, today, I am going to be talking about just favorite year in movies in general. I feel like there are just certain years where that where so many like great films have come out. Uh, I there are a couple of years in mind where I can remember where it was just like really good for movies. And uh, with me today, I have my good friend Marianne. Once again, how are you doing? I'm really good. How are you? Been very busy. Been very busy, honestly. I haven't done a podcast in a while, but uh, I'm really look excited to doing a podcast today. And uh, thank you for joining me once again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess uh, this time uh, I'll go first. Like I said before, uh, there are some years where that have just been really great for cinema. It's going to be kind of hard to judge like what is, even though the title of this episode is, what is the best year for movies? It's kind of unfair, I guess, of us to judge because when we're judging all of cinema, um, obviously a lot of like, I don't know about you, but a lot of like older movies I still haven't seen. And a lot of the yeah. films that I've seen in my lifetime were films that were current or popular at whatever uh, age or uh, time in my life I was at. So I've seen a lot of newer movies, but not a lot of older movies. So I guess a more appropriate title for this episode should be what is our favorite, favorite year of movies. Not necessarily was the best year in movies, but yeah. to us, it's the best year for movies. So just a right. disclaimer for those of you listening. Uh, the I guess I'll start by most recent first and then go kind of backwards in time. Okay. 2019 was such a phenomenal, phenomenal year for film. Uh, I think that most people can agree that just 2019 in general was just absolutely amazing for cinema we there were so many films that came out that had a very common theme of rich versus poor you had mm -hmm. parasite knives out i haven't seen ready or not yet but ready or not uh oh, yeah. what's it called uh yeah there were, there were just so many great uh films that came out marriage story portrait of a lady on fire irishman uncut gems book smart once upon a time in hollywood little women toy story 4 Avengers Endgame, Lighthouse, uh, The Farewell, like, there are so many, like, absolutely amazing films that came mm -hmm. out in 2019, and I've only mentioned, like, some of the more, like, popular ones that came out. There are other movies right. that are, were really great uh, that weren't nearly talked about as well, like Honeylands, Shadow, uh, I guess Rocket Man was pretty popular, uh, How to Train a Dragon, The Hidden World, John Wick 3, Klaus, yeah, yeah, there were some really good movies that came out in 2019, and mm -hmm. uh, and we also Joker. No, I, I mean, I apologize to Joker fans. I I think it's a good movie, just definitely overrated for sure. But uh, but yeah, no, I think 2019 was a pretty uh, phenomenal year for cinema. I don't know if it's like my favorite, but I think that for me personally, I think that it's definitely a contender for favorite year. So so to those of you who are listening, what we're going to do is we're just going to talk about just what our favorite years of cinema were, what like what year of cinema in which like our favorite movies were released from, and then at the end we'll decide what our definitive favorite year for movies overall is. But for now, uh, I just thought I brought up bring up uh, 2019 
which for me is like a very, you know, like a lot of these movies are very, since these movies just came out, they're very, you know, still fresh in my memory. And these are, a lot of these are movies. Yeah, and a lot of these are movies that will, I definitely will uh, revisit and watch over and over again. And a couple of them I even own on physical uh, DVD now. And what's a year where there were just a lot of movies came out or some really memorable movies for you that came out in the same year? Well, since you're going uh, by uh, most recent, I can do that as well. Um, and I will go just a few more years back and say 2017. Yes, yes, definitely. Was that on your list? <laughs> I don't really have a list. I'm just kind of reading off of my Letterbox account, just looking through the movies that I've seen and just seeing which year they came from. But oh, yeah, yeah, I'd like to go ahead and uh, talk about just 2017 for cinema and how great that was. Yeah, yeah. So looking at my own list as well, Lady Bird came out, which was an interesting movie. At first, when I, I saw it, I liked it, didn't love it. And then I watched it another time and I, I understood it better. I liked it a lot more. And then I just ended up watching it several times, and now I love it. Logan, War of the Planet of the Apes, which is a great um, ending to that Planet of the Apes trilogy. Yes. Um, you had the first Tom Holland full Spider-Man film, Spider-Man Homecoming. We had First Reformed, Wonder Woman, which I loved. Coco was amazing. Happy Death Day, personally. And I also think the movie Gifted with Chris Evans is a really good movie. Shape of Water came out that year. Disaster Artist. Some other not as well-known, but still pretty good movies in my opinion. Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool with Annette Bening and Jamie Bell. And uh, Hostels with Christian Bale and uh, Wes Duty. Great movie. And yeah, I just think that was a pretty good year. You know, looking at the movies that I've seen that year that came out, I'm like, yeah. Like that, like that, like that. <laughs> Great ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that uh, 2017 was a really good year for, you know, debuts. Like you mentioned, Lady Bird, uh, that Greta Gerwig's uh, film debut. There was also mm -hmm. Jordan Peele's uh, debut, Get Out. There were, there were really great franchise films. Like you said, Logan, War for Planet of the Apes. I really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok and yeah. Blade Runner 2049. And... Star Wars The Last Jedi, I know, <laughs> I know, but I, I don't care, I love that movie. That's fine. Um, but 2017 was also a pretty good year for documentaries, too. Uh, there, are three, mm -hmm. there are three documentaries that uh, I saw that I really loved, uh, Let It Fall and LA-92, both addressed the LA riots, and oh, okay. Accidental Courtesy is a documentary about famous ja jazz musician Daryl Davis, who actually uh, actively seeks out to be friends. Uh, Daryl Davis is a black man and a famous jazz musician who mm -hmm. actively tries to make friends and converts members of the Ku Klux Klan and try oh, to get them wow. and try to get them to not be racist anymore, basically. Wow. And all three of these movies, you know, deal with uh, racism in America, but you know, like two of them are very dark and somber in tone. LA-92 and Let It Fall are very, you know, like, are very serious and depressing. And, you know, Accidental Courtesy does get very serious at times, but it's a bit more encouraging and positive uh, in its outlook of, Amer of America. Oh, I'll check that out, those out. 
Yeah, uh, there were some really good documentaries that came out in 2019 as well, but 2017 for me are, it just, I feel like it's a bit more underrated in terms of documentaries. Mm-hmm. Sure. But yeah, I think that 2017 was a pretty good year for film. And uh, I'll mention another recent year, uh, 2014. Man, that was a really good year for movie. One of my favorite movies of all time, Whiplash, came out that year, which quite a few of my friends don't like that movie, actually. And I don't really understand why. I think it's amazing. Uh, I love Birdman, Nightcrawler, the Lego movie, Grand Budapest Hotel, the first Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy. And mm-hmm. oh yeah, and the second, I do actually enjoy the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and that came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. But uh, 2014, I think, is another like really good year for movies. Uh, the Babadook mm-hmm. was uh, really effective and terrifying. I, I think that that's another like really good year for movies. And I think that in terms of like this decade, uh, or la- last decade, because it's now a different decade, 2021. Right. But uh, I think that 2014, 2010, and 2019 were like the best years for movies of the decade overall. Yeah, I can agree with 2014. Um, did I interrupt you? Sorry. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I was just going to ask you uh, if you had just another year in mind, like another year that where a lot of movies came out that just really impressed you. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'll uh, piggyback off of 2014 and just say uh, mention a few other movies that I liked in 2014. Um, you had the well. This one is kind of cheating because it, it came out in its native country, the UK, in 2014. But I think it was a 2015 US release. Um, Kingsman: The Secret Service. That's uh, one of my favorite movies. Um, X Men: Days of Future Past. Right. Came out in 2014. What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, um, yeah, What We Do in the Shadows, that was so good, too. Yeah, Paddington, um, Gone Girl, Ex Machina, first John Wick movie, for those of you John Wick fans. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely agree on 2014. Got some really good ones in there. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I think that 2016 was a pretty good year for movies, you know, like Moonlight and La La Land's came out that year and you know that whole like best picture fiasco yeah but i want to go even further back and uh mention a year in movies that like a a lot of really good gems came out this year and like but i feel like already people have like forgotten about it and i think that that's a shame and i want to talk about the year 2000 okay and which you know it's kind of crazy to believe that in before prior to the year 2000 like in the 90s like people genuinely there were a lot of people that genuinely thought that the world was going to end by like december 31st 1999 yeah it's crazy (laughs) to believe that people like genuinely thought that like even like especially in korea people are going around like oh man is the world's going to end by the year 2000 (laughs) and that's like absolutely like crazy to believe it just seems ridiculous to uh, us now, but, you know, back then, like, this yeah. was genuinely what people believed. But uh, I think that the year 2000s, there were some really great gems that came out, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Castaway, uh, Almost Famous, Billy Elliot, Traffic, American Psycho, Unbreakable, Emperor's New Groove, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, and uh, Remember the Titans are films that I really, really enjoy a lot. Wow. 
<laughs> we were talking earlier about like uh, recency bias and yeah i guess that's applying here for me because uh, the ones you just listed i've only seen like three of them <laughs> honestly i even kind of forgot about this year like when i'm thinking about like favorite movies and stuff like if i see like an older movie i'm not really thinking about the year in which it came out and it was only uh, when I was preparing for this podcast, when I was looking at, you know, the movies and specifically when they came out, that, that I was like, oh, shoot, like 2000 brought us some of my, like, some really good movies and some of my favorites mm -hmm. of all time. Mm -hmm. Do you have another year where a lot of movies came out that, like, you really enjoyed? I'll go back. I'm going to skip the 90s uh, <laughs> and go to 1989. Ooh, nice. Um, I think 89 was pretty good. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Dead Poet Society. You have uh, The Little Mermaid, which I believe kicked off the Disney renaissance of the, I guess, technically late 80s, early 90s. Um, Born on the Fourth of July is probably, in my opinion, I haven't seen all of his, like, really well-known work. Or not well-known, but, like, uh, well-renowned work. But I think it's probably one of Tom Cruise's best performances, and he is actually very, very good in that movie. Yeah. Um, you got When Harry Met Sally, um, Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, Driving Miss Daisy's pretty good, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, um, Tim Burton's Batman, Heather's Major League for baseball fans like me. <laughs> Even Back to the Future Part 2, which I enjoy, I think is pretty good too. So that's uh, my summary of uh, 89. Which I still haven't seen. I still have not seen uh, Back to the Future in its entirety. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, I uh, the first one I love. The first one, obviously, I've seen that, and I love that, though. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that movie, uh, Back to the Future, came out in 1985, and uh, that year, there were some really other good movies that uh, came out that were really good. Uh, Harrison Ford got his only Oscar nomination for being in Peter Weir's uh, Witness, which is a really mm -hmm. good movie. Uh, one of Martin Scorsese's most underrated movies, After Hours, came out. Also, uh, Jackie Chan wrote, directed, and starred in Police Story, which is absolutely oh. insane. Even if you haven't seen Police Story, you definitely should know about, uh, or at least heard about, the infamous bit where he's trying to catch the bad guy in the mall, and then he slides down a pole. That's where all these lights are connected to it. And he mm -hmm. actually slid down the pole with all the lights connected on and plugged into the wall, and he received third-degree burns on his hands and arms from sliding down the pole with all the lights attached to it. Mm -hmm. Brazil, uh, Ron, and The Breakfast Club also came out in 1985, mm -hmm. and I think that that's a pretty good year uh, for films, too. Yeah, I don't have any other movies to add to that year. Maybe The Goonies, did you say that? No, no, I didn't mention The Goonies, because that's a film that I just think is good, but not great. Oh, okay. But yeah. I can see why some people consider that to be a classic. Uh, do you have any other uh, years in mind? Yeah, so you went to 85, and I will uh, stay in the 80s, but not before 85. I'm going to go forward a little bit to 1987. Princess Bride, which is, of course, yes. a classic. Yes. <laughs> I personally really love Spaceballs. I think it's very funny. <laughs> it's a good comedy movie. Good spoof. 
The Lost Boys came out in 87. Running Man is pretty cool. Empire of the Sun is probably a lesser known Spielberg movie, but very, very good in my opinion. Right. Dirty Dancing is a kind of a classic uh, romance movie. And another movie that I didn't necessarily love, but I found very interesting is uh, Wings of Desire from 1987. Oh, yeah, from um, uh, Wim Wenders, I think, directed. Yes, yes, I yeah. think so, yes. He directed uh, Paris, Texas, which is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, so um, 87, I think, had uh, some pretty good ones. You didn't like was- Wings of Desire that much? I did. I didn't love it. I, oh, I gave oh, okay. it eight out of ten. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't like, oh my god, I need to see this immediately again. <laughs> That's usually oh. my like barometer for if I loved, loved, loved the movies. If I absolutely want to like go back into the theater, or you know, in this case, you know, the DVD back in or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think Wings of Desire. Um, I've I've only seen two of Wim Wenders movies. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, Wings of Desire and Paris, Texas. Paris, Texas is absolutely, like, phenomenal, but Wings yeah. of Desire, I did enjoy that one. You know, that's probably, like, a 7 or 8 out of 10 movie for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, like, one of my favorites of all time, um, mm-hmm. but I did really enjoy it. Another movie that I didn't technically enjoy from... 1987 is Elaine May uh, directed Mikey and Nikki, which stars Peter Falk and uh, John Cassavetes. And okay. it's basically about uh, Mickey, who's a hardworking, honest man, whose best friend is a con artist with a gambling addiction. And, oh, wow. and uh, yeah, Peter Falk plays uh, Mickey. And I, ke- I keep trying to say Mikey, and I don't know why it's Mickey. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Mickey and uh, Nikki is his best friend, played by the great uh, John Cassavetes, and he basically he ends up like scamming the wrong people, and his life is threatened, and he kind of forces his friend Mickey to help him hide from these like gangsters or whatever. And Nikki is such a selfish, arrogant a hole, mm-hmm. but Mickey is like so nice that he helps Nikki, even though he really should be. Uh, just saying to Nikki, you know what? You're on your own and find a new friend. I don't think I've even heard of that. that most like... people haven't. Yeah, most people haven't heard of that movie. Uh, but I think that it's, uh, if you can watch it, it's, I think that people hate the movie solely based on how much they hate Nikki. Because I hate Nikki so much. <laughs> but uh, he's so, like, he's so awful to Mickey. But I think that it's well made and well acted. But just, it's it's a good movie technically, but just I don't know if I could watch. I can't watch it like too many times because then sure, my sure. blood will get well, blood will boil from how angry I get at Nikki. But yeah, uh, I just want to uh, go back a little bit and uh, should I stay in the eighties? Actually, you know what? I'll go back to the seventies. Yeah, yeah. So I'll go back to the seventies and way before. Uh, I think yeah, I way before either one of us was born. And I think that's, uh, let's see here, which year should I pick? I'll go with 1971. 1971, I think, was like every single film nominated for Best Picture was like absolutely great. You have Harold and Maude, which is a weird, weird movie, but a classic. 
you have the yeah. French Connection, you have mm -hmm. a Clockwork Orange, you have uh, Fiddler on the Roof, and mm -hmm. uh, John Troll's uh, Immigrants in New Lands, which are two separate movies, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is a good movie, but it but I can't watch it again because that infamous uh, chicken cutting off the chicken's head scene in the tunnel, which was just ugh. Oh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I really, in, I think that that was a really great year uh, for cinema, 1971. I, I, oh, yeah. I've only seen like the good movies though from uh, 1971, <laughs> but uh, that just suddenly came to mind uh, when yeah, I was Yeah, 71 is good because you got um, two, I don't think they were featured debuts, but you had um, very early films from Steven Spielberg, Duel. And, Duel, um, right, right, Duel, yeah. This is um, full-length version of THX 138 was also in 71, so that's kind of interesting that they both had their kind of big uh, films in that year before their next, you know, really, really big films. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Like yeah. Jaws in 75 or um, American Graffiti in 74, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Oh, and uh, how could I forget? Last Picture Show. The Last right. Picture Show by uh, Peter Bogdanovich, uh, which stars uh, Sybil Shepard and uh, Cloris Leachman and uh, young Jeff Bridges. That was really good, but sad movie. Haven't seen it, but I know I need to. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, 1971 was a pretty good year uh, for movies. Uh, do you have any other year for film uh, in mind? 76, maybe? Rocky... It is a really, really, really good movie. I love Rocky. Um, Taxi Driver, of course. Yeah. Carrie's a horror classic. Um, Logan's Run is an interesting sci-fi movie that used to scare me a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> and then you have the Barbara Streisand version of A Star is Born. Let's not talk about the Barbara Streisand version of A Star is Born. <laughs> My mom is a really big Barber fan, so she, of course, loves it, so. Mm. Yeah, I'm not personally a big fan of the Barbara Streisand one, but, sure. I mean, good for your mom, I guess. <laughs> I want to talk about, uh, go even further back and talk about 1957. Oh, man, 1957. <laughs> I'm sorry? I'm going to pull it up and see what I have. Oh man, yeah, 1957 for cinema was absolutely just beautiful, just beautiful, so. Uh, well, before you start, I'm just going to say I only have two. I have seen three from the year, but only two that I would, like, really, really highly recommend, so you can go ahead now. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, I, for, well, of course, the movie that uh, won uh, Best Picture for 1957 was Bridge on the River Kwai from... Uh, David Lean. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, a classic uh, for obvious reasons. I do think David Lean, uh, Lor I like Lawrence of Arabia a little bit more, but Bridge, of Bridge on the River Kwai is a classic that, uh, you know, does have some very good commentary on uh, what it's like to, you know, like, not, not just be, you know, a soldier in war, but also, you know, like, uh, duty uh, versus honor. And I think that that film is uh, really great. And uh, but I think that 
okay. uh, another film that was nominated for Best Picture that year deserved it even more, and that's uh, Twelve Angry Men. Yes, Twelve Angry Men is literally one of the objectively best movies of all time. Like, there's mm -hmm. no competition. Like, I really <laughs> like Bridge and the River Kwai, but Twelve Angry Men is phenomenal literally one of the best screenplays of all time just even talking about it right now i want to rewatch it like <laughs> as soon as we're done with the podcast i might just you know i have the dvd of 12 angry men on criterion i might just nice. you know, grab it i might just grab it and pop it in into my uh, laptop and watch it again because it's oh so good yeah i definitely agree and the thing that i like about well one of the things i like about 12 angry men is that they were able to take the story and not just make this amazing film out of it, but it's written in a way that just with a few little minor tweaks, you can make it, you know, they've done it as a stage play in modern times and just called it 12 Angry Jurors. And so it's like a universal thing, at least in the U.S., because I'm not, I mean, I don't know if that would necessarily be as applicable in countries that don't have the same judicial system, for example, but across America like it doesn't it's not necessarily about you know like men versus women or anything like you can have pretty much any cast and it still works yeah and that's something that I think is really cool about it yeah yeah like I I agree yeah I think that you could do like you know kind of a uh you could have it be a commentary on anything really race relations gender yep. relations mm -hmm. uh you know like uh, just and all that stuff and yeah i completely agree with you mm -hmm. and uh also what came out in uh, 1957 is i haven't seen a lot of ingrid bergman's uh swedish director ingrid bergman's uh films but uh the one of the few that i have seen is seventh seal which Features the famous scene of uh, the man playing chess with the uh, with death, which was parodied in uh, the Bill and Ted sequel, Bogus Journey, where Bill and Ted are playing Battleship with uh, death, which is absolutely hilarious. Oh, that's what that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm. you never heard of the famous chess scene from Seventh Seal? No, I haven't. Oh, wow, wow. Well, even... Yeah. <laughs> Even if you uh, haven't seen the movie, I'm surprised that you never heard of that chess scene. Yeah, no, I've heard of the movie. I hadn't heard of the scene. Oh, um, okay, gotcha. Not that I can remember, anyway. I definitely want to see... Uh, Seventh Seal was really good, and I want to see more Ingrid Bergman uh, films for sure. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's Paths of Glory came out in the same... in uh, 1957, and a lot of people love Paths of Glory, and I get why, but personally... I don't love it quite as much as other people do. People call it a classic. People call it Kubrick's best movie. And I don't know. Just, like, I get why people like it. It's commentary on, you know, like, how war dehumanizes people is good. And the filmmaking is great. But I just wasn't that captivated with the characters that much. That's fair. Um, I haven't seen Paths of Boy personally, but if we're going to mention Stanley Kubrick, I haven't seen a lot of his films, period, to be honest, but um, a movie of his that I watched recently that's from almost the same year. It's not 57, but 56, uh, The Killing. I actually enjoyed that quite a bit. And, I haven't uh, seen that one yet. It's good? 
Yeah, I was surprised. I actually had to watch it when I took, um, I think it was probably film history that I took in college, and I had to watch it, and I didn't really like it when I was in college. Um, I didn't dislike it, but I wasn't really that into it. I was like, okay, whatever. And then I watched it again a few weeks ago, because I've taken a look at some movies that I've rated over the years and said, you know what, I was not really, I was too young to get that, or I just didn't pay attention enough to it the first time, so I'm going to try to rewatch it and see if it, my opinion changed. That was one of them, and I ended up liking it a lot more. It was very interesting the way it was set up, and seeing how it all goes down, and the ending is really good as well. So I, I recommend that one. I, I do think that Stanley Kubrick really knows how to end his movies really well. And that's, mm -hmm. that's one of the more important uh, aspects of filmmaking to me personally, is I'm fine with the movie starting out kind of meh, as long as it ends really strongly. Um, and I think that Stanley Kubrick is like a master of, you know, of just a lot of filmmaking aspects, but especially when it comes to ending his movies. Even like Paths of Glory, I don't like love the overall movie, but I love the way that he ended it. I won't okay. say how, yeah, but no, it's no, like, no yeah, no, it's like, it's a perfect ending, basically. Okay. And one last movie I'll mention from... Uh, 1957. Uh, well, this got a 1957 release in Japan, but I think in U.S. it got a later release, but I'll still count it as 57. Throne of Blood from okay. a legendary Japanese director, Akira Kurosawa, who's now become my favorite director of all time. Believe it or not, my favorite director of all time used to be uh, Steven Spielberg, and uh, yeah, but that's really because... I'm sorry? Steven Spielberg's a good choice, too. <laughs> yeah, well, but that, I think that's just because uh, I, I like he's the director that I've seen the most work from in my life. Uh -huh. But now that my taste in film has kind of changed over the years, and I've seen more of Kurosawa's work, I think he's now my favorite director of all time. I just, I just love how he can turn a simple story into something so, like, grand and epic. And mm -hmm. Throne of Blood is actually his version of Macbeth from Shakespeare. Oh. And okay. uh, the legendary Toshiro Mifun, who Akira has collaborated with on numerous films, he plays his benevolent uh, lore of this uh, country. And, well, no, sorry, not this country. He plays a general uh, okay. serving under the king of this, uh, you know, of some Japanese country, whatever. And, you know, just like in Macbeth, He's visited by a ghost who will tell him that he'll be king. And then uh, at first, you know, uh, and he doesn't believe it, but his wife, like, wants to take advantage of the situation and convinces him to kill the king. And, yeah, I mean, if you've read Macbeth, you you've read Macbeth, right? So you know how it ends. Yeah. yeah so basically yeah. it's just Macbeth, but in Japanese, but it's filmed and told so well. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. I'll have to watch it. Yeah. So, I mean, if you've read the play, since you've read the play, Macbeth, you already know how the movie ends, but I still think that it's worth watching anyway. Yeah, yeah, I like retellings. I don't, I have, I, as you know, <laughs> from my, yeah. uh, like, Disney remakes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, you're definitely much kinder to the Disney remakes than I am, for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I, I should check out uh, more Kurosawa in general, but that one sounds like a good one to start with, because um, it's the fact that it's a story that I know would probably make it a little more accessible, I guess. Um, right. Not that I, I, not that I don't think Kurosawa's 
inaccessible or anything, but it's just a good, you know, starting off point, I feel like, what I mean to say. A lot of, like, newcomers to film tend to kind of, like, save his movies for later, because, you know, like, just, well, at least um, newcomers who are American, um, you know, I'm yeah, not yeah. trying to, you know, accuse anybody of anything, but, you know, a lot of, like, American newcomers to movies are, you know, very hesitant to watch movies in subtitles, movies in black and white, you know, long movies, yeah. and I, I think mm -hmm. that, I, I understand yeah. why, but at the same time, it's like, like, I don't think it's a big deal, but I think that that's just because I'm more used to watching movies and subtitles since, you know, I'm not, yeah. I mean, I am American, but I'm also Asian, so I think that, like, I'm more comfortable with watching movies and, you know, for right. cinema. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'll add one film to um, the 57 list. Um, I don't know if you or anybody listening has seen A Face in the Crowd or even heard of it. Um, yeah, um, Elia Kazan directed it, right? Yes, yes, he did. And uh, it stars Andy Griffith. In yeah. A role that is uh, not quite, um, you know, Andy Griffith. <laughs> Um, it's a very like serious, like dark role, right? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, and then definitely at least more so than the show he was on. It's basically um, I haven't seen it since 2010, I think. So it's been a while since I saw it. So I might misremember some of the details. But the basic story um, is that he plays like a, I guess he's a grifter or something. He's like a, he poses as a, a singer. And then he kind of, like, goes on the rise and becomes, like, really well-known on the radio. And then it kind of, like, turns his world upside down for the negative. And um, mm. it was just a very surprising movie when I saw it because I really only knew Andy Griffith from his show. And right. It was a different role for him. And I was like, oh, wow. That was really good. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, um, I was, I'm definitely interested in watching that movie for sure. But I... Just uh, haven't uh, been able. Just I haven't been able to watch it, and uh, like so I many just to watch. Out to it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely will. I definitely do want to watch it at some points, but you know, just haven't gone around to it. But definitely at some points sure. I will for sure. Uh, but yeah, I want to uh, go forward in time and uh, talk about uh, one of my uh, my same friends who loves M Night Shyamalan. His mm -hmm. favorite year in movies is definitely 1999 and i agree that 1999 gave us a lot of great great films most famously the matrix oh yeah 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 the matrix <laughs> is i mean it's iconic it's great it's awesome seeing keanu reeves kick ass is awesome and him saying whoa is whoa <laughs> But yeah, no, I th think that's a great film, but also great is uh, Galaxy Quest, Fight Club, Toy Story 2, uh, mm -hmm. Sixth Sense, Being John Malkovich, yeah. uh, Straight Story, uh, Talented Mr. Ripley, uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, and mm -hmm. uh, Election. Yeah, okay, I can agree, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and of course, of course, The Phantom Menace. Yes. Which I do not like. I do not like the Phantom Menace, but I will acknowledge its place in pop culture. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, ha I of course I had to mention that. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm wondering now, I'm thinking about it, I think my dad would probably say 99 was a really good year because he loves The Matrix and Phantom Menace. And until um, The Last Jedi came out, The Phantom Menace was actually my dad's favorite Star Wars movie. Whoa, The Last Jedi is your dad's favorite Star Wars movie? I think so. Um, wow. He said it was when he saw it the second time, and then um, obviously the... Um, Rise of Skywalker didn't change his opinion, or it didn't make him, he didn't like that one more, so I think if I called him right now and said, Dad, what's your favorite Star Wars movie, he would say either Phantom Menace or Last Jedi, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. That's yeah, he because, because, because he identifies with uh, uh, Luke the Hermit or something. <laughs> it's like, you know, a, a grumpy old man, that's like me, so yeah. <laughs> interesting that's really interesting because there's a lot of like older or like more hardcore it's like usually the older or more hardcore fans that dislike the last jedi the most so that's yeah 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 dad, your dad well i mean but then again my dad is also a huge star wars fan and he enjoyed the last jedi he didn't like yeah. love, he didn't love my dad didn't love it but you know he thought that it was pretty good um the only film the only Star Wars films that my dad like actively like hates is um, Attack of the Clones and <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. Um, nice. He think he think my dad thinks that I think my dad just thinks that Phantom Menace is just okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, no, my dad like I think my dad's least favorite is Rise of Skywalker, and then after that, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I mean that seems to be a pretty common sentiment. <laughs> But uh, speaking of Star Wars, though, I think that uh, 1977 brought us some pretty decent movies as well, besides Star Wars. Uh, I think we also got, uh, let me just check here, we also got Eraserhead from David Lynch and uh, mm -hmm. Annie Hall from, uh, to uh, not, do not mention his name, and uh, <laughs> Steven Spielberg's uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind and the mm -hmm. original Suspiria. Yes, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that 1977, there, there, there are definitely some other, like, really good movies that came out that year, I'm sure, but I just haven't seen them yet. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, do you have, like, another uh, year? Uh, uh, just We're just going to mention uh, just one more year each. Uh, so do you have just one more year that you want to mention that's just, like, really memorable to you? Well... I'll say this, even though I'm not entire. I haven't seen all of the really well-known movies from it. But you want to go really old school, you could say 1939. You oh have, yeah, 1939. Yeah, uh, Gone with the Winds and Wizard of Oz. Yes, yes, exactly. Those are the main, probably the biggest two that people would know of from that year. And then there's another one that I recently watched, which was another one of my uh, rewatches of. Ones that I didn't like, that I wanted to try again. Um, a Western called Stagecoach, which uh, was, I guess, uh, Don Wayne's. Like he had already been in movies, but that was kind of like his uh, breakout role. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, that was another movie that I watched in college. Didn't really like necessarily that much, and then I rewatched it recently, and I liked it a lot better. Um, it's a pretty good ensemble piece. It has some interesting things to say about morality and who, you know, um, how to judge people or not judge people. And it's pretty short, too. It's, it does it a lot in a short amount of time, so I, I think it's pretty good. 
can recommend that pretty easily. What else was in 39? Oh, wait, Stagecoach is a... Why did I get the impression that Stagecoach was like a really long movie? I don't know, but it's only like an hour and a half, I think. Really? Oh, oh wow. I, I've, I've kind of avoided it over the years because I'm not really that big into westerns and uh, I mm -hmm. thought it was like two and a half or three hours long, but it's only an hour and a half? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and um, I watched it just like I think last week or the week before and it was on Prime, so um, it's somewhat easily accessible if you have Prime. Yeah, 1939 uh, was a uh, pretty good year for films as well. Yeah, and uh, I think you uh, mentioned earlier uh, Goodbye Mr. Chips and uh, Young Mr. Lincoln, which is also from John Ford. I haven't seen either one of those, but uh, I hear uh, good things about them, and I definitely mm -hmm. will uh, watch them at some point. Yeah. The one last year that I'll mention is 1967. Uh, in okay. 1967, uh, In the Heat of the Night, starring yes. uh, Steiger and Sidney Poitier, yes, that won yes, Best yes. Picture, and that's a really great movie. But I also loved uh, Bonnie and Clyde, In mm -hmm. Cold Blood, uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which also stars Sidney Poitier. Yes, uh, To Sir With Love, another Sidney Poitier film from 67. So I guess 67 was just the year of Sidney Poitier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that was... Uh, Definitely a good year for him, for sure, because both those movies are nominated for Best Picture. Mm -hmm. um, but there are two movies that year that are absolutely iconic, in my opinion, that, uh, like, I, In the Heat of the Night is really good, but I love The Graduate even more with Dustin Hoffman. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. The Graduate, uh, you know, is absolutely iconic, in my opinion. And yeah. I love Cool Hands Luke. Okay. With uh, mm -hmm. Paul Newman. Cool Hands Luke is like legitimately like one of my favorite like movies of all time and yeah. it's not talked about enough in my opinion when people talk about like classics i haven't seen either of the ones you just mentioned but i have heard those good things about them and whoa they're... you haven't seen the graduate nope i haven't gotten around to it yet wow that's like a really famous movie i know <laughs> oh i know <laughs> All right, so, well, uh, I think those are all the movies that uh, I mentioned and uh, all the memorable years for me. I've seen great movies that have come out in other years, obviously, but just those overall years didn't impress me so much for cinema as a whole. Yeah. But I now want to ask you, if you can, and uh, yeah, feel free to, you know, like, uh, think about this as long as you uh, need, what is... In your opinion, your favorite year, the best year for cinema? Uh, well, just based on um, data, <laughs> for lack of a better word, on numbers, I have to say 2017 because I've seen the most, so I have the most ones to draw from. Maybe 89 is better, but I haven't seen as many, so I don't think it's fair for me to pick that or over one that I've seen more of, so I'll go with 2017. Nice, nice, very nice. Huh, I think, I think I'm gonna go with 2014. Yeah, nice. yeah, I think I'm gonna go with 2014. Yeah, uh, some other movies that came out that year that neither of us uh, even mentioned was Snowpiercer, Captain mm -hmm. America the Winter Soldier, Boyhood, uh, Song of the Sea, Mommy, and uh, I think... Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I mentioned Nightcrawler already. Um, yeah, Edge of Tomorrow, Ida, Prince, Tale of the Princess Kaguya, uh, Selma, mm -hmm. Big Hero 6. Those are all really good. Interstellar. There are movies, of course, that came out in other years that I like more than the movies I've seen in 2014, but I just think that 2014 as a whole was, is, contains the most movies where I would like to rewatch the most and I remember the most fondly. And so, yeah, I think that uh, 2014 for me is my favorite year for movies. Okay, cool. I think that that'll uh, wrap things up. So I want to thank you again for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me again. <laughs> you still keep inviting me back. I'm doing something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely, <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, I mean, I'm not, I don't mean this as an insult at all, but this, it is also because all my other friends are too busy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but, but that's not, but I do genuinely love having you on the podcast and uh, I appreciate it a lot. That you said thank yes you again. I enjoy talking about movies, so thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you all for listening to another episode of my podcast, Podcast Racing. Now, this is Podcast Racing.